0: It was probably around the time I was 40 that the rock bottom began and uh, didn't want it, didn't expect it, didn't know it was right on the, the corner. And uh, it all began, speaking of, of death or you know confronting death, uh, my wife got cancer and it came completely out of left field. She was healthy in her 30s, took good care of herself, didn't smoke, barely drank. And boom, and two weeks after they figured out she had cancer, they went in major surgery, took her whole thyroid gland out, a bunch Mm -hmm. of lymph nodes. and, And so every day for the rest of her life, she has to take a pill just to live. And she was the one that started to change first. She started reading books on God, the meaning of life. She started having, I'm going to call it like a life review. Like, is this who I am? Is this who I want to be? And that can happen when you confront death. And so she started to change. And I really wasn't uh, mature enough or experienced enough to support her through all that. Uh, And then in the middle of it all, um, I decided to start my own company. I left my very secure job, started my own company. And boy, the sales grew like crazy, but the losses grew even more so. (laughs) In the blink of an eye, all of our money was gone. I was $650,000 in debt, um, borrowed against the house, borrowed against, I had a quarter million in personal credit card debt. SBA loan from the bank you know I was just up to my neck in debt and I couldn't see any way out in the middle of it all my wife just decides to leave she wants to have a whole new life and so suddenly I'm a single dad with custody of two kids nine and 11 every day facing bankruptcy <laughs> so and then to top it all off I don't know where it came from Ian I had this unbelievable fear of death like I'd never thought about it before I frankly kept religion and spirituality as at arm's length for 30 me in my entire adult life. So I didn't know who to talk to about it. I wouldn't have even been uh, brave enough to talk to anybody about it. And so I'm a grown man running around behind closed doors, terrified of death. All I was, can figure is death would be the end of me, the end of my body, and that's it. It's over. And I couldn't wrap my mind around oblivion. Like yeah. it just was terrifying to me. So in the blink of an eye, I went from kind of having a kick ass life to feeling like a bad husband, a bad dad, bad businessman, and a grown man running around behind closed doors, terrified of death. Yeah. Hey,
1: everybody. Welcome to the mental purpose podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Look, today's going to be a little bit deep. I'll be honest with you. There's an emotional place that I'm coming from where, you know, maybe you haven't heard me before. Lost my cat last night, not lost him. He Passed away last night and it's been a rough. It's been a rough night. And I was going to cancel this episode because just emotionally, I want to process through. And, you know, it's a member of our family and it's, it's challenging for those of you that have faced that. I'm sure you understand. And we all go through grief and, 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 and process death differently. And that was the first time for me that I had been that close and that involved. And, um, you know, Mare and I were just processing through it. So instead of canceling this, I decided, you know what? Let's embrace it. Let's roll. The universe put it on my my calendar and my schedule for a reason. Let's rock. And today we're going to talk about death, and that's not all we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about rock bottom, and transformation, and we're going to talk about growth and change, and and this false sense of arriving somewhere and how that can hurt us, uh, and put this false sense in front of us of of we're going to get to somewhere and then. It never is that place it's always moving we're going to talk about learning through your relationships becoming a better listener changing your habits changing yourself transforming. um, Your own transformation and the weight that it can have on a relationship like a marriage or a partnership. Um, You know ascending the transformational journey we're talking talking about the different types of people and how they each approach journeys the three different types of people. The stuff we go through with identity and trying to be different and and, and and slowing down and focusing on our true path and our purpose we're talking about our vision and mission for our lives alignment. And fulfillment and trusting yourself in the universe and the mysteries of death and look we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff this is a very, very powerful episode. And you'll just hear that i'm a little more you know i'm a little little more subdued than I normally am because i'm processing through some shit. And you'll hear me get choked up and I appreciate that all of you hold that space and I appreciate the the work that I've done on myself to be able to trust myself to share without worrying about what people think or how I'm going to be viewed or anything like that so. This episode is special and I suggest that you slow down what you're doing. We're going to talk about like the 40 year old awakening for those of you that are in that bracket we're going to talk about the 40 year old awakening. i'm not going to give you the background on john we're just going to get right into this episode john is a powerhouse when it comes to change and transformation and rock bottom. With synchronicity and spiritual connection, I mean john and I's birthday is the same day it's freaking crazy and his wife grew up in the exact same spot that my wife grew up in California, which is nuts so. We're going to talk about environment and habits and skills and changing those things like reconciling with people that you've wronged or wronged you and just clearing your path. And we're gonna have a lot of fun and it's going to be deep and there might be a little bit of awkward and uncomfortable and i'm asking you to embrace it. And i'm thanking you and really appreciative of you being here and supporting this podcast and doing your thing, so if you want to know more about john go to john david com. you can find out more about him click on the show notes they're there i want you to enjoy this episode thanks all right john welcome man thanks for being here today i really appreciate your time and and i think we're going to get into a very deep conversation
0: cool i appreciate the invitation ian and really happy to be here
1: yeah so i told you before we started that you know i'm recording this on a monday morning Spent the night in the hospital with my cat. He didn't make it. It was probably the roughest experience. And I know that sounds weird, but like that, that was the, that was the roughest experience and the most hurt my heart has ever been. And I think it was my, the most confronting and like deep level experience with death that I've ever experienced. And I think I'm processing that now. And I, and audience, I told John before we started, like, maybe I should, maybe I was thinking about canceling this because I'm just, I'm in that state where I just need to, you know, process. And this is not going to be a depressing episode, by the way. I'm not going to cry about my cat the whole time. And he, I miss him. But like, what we're going to talk about is we're going to be talking about processing through rock bottoms, processing through death and dying, the transformation and a lot of other stuff in there, which is very appropriate. And, we all have to face that at some point, and um that's what we're gonna do. so let's go to your story man like i i i love I love reading about you in your one your one sheet and thought anybody that says rock bottom and starts describing these really deep level scenarios, I want to talk to <laughs> so <laughs> let's um let's like how did you let's paint a picture before rock bottom, yeah. who were you what was your life like before this rock bottom how did it start to slip what was the downhill like and then let's hit that rock bottom and let's just talk about that and then how you came out of it let's we're gonna do that for the audience today
0: yeah before rock bottom i was one of those uh kind of skinny scrawny athletic guys competitive good at all sports but great at none high energy um kind of a achiever type and, um, and, you know, go, 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 do, do, do. And so that's who I was before. And um, it was probably around the time I was 40 that the rock bottom began. And I didn't want it, didn't expect it, didn't know it was right on the, around the corner. And uh, it all began, speaking of, of death or, you know, confronting death, uh, my wife got cancer and it came completely out of left field. She was healthy in her 30s, took good care of herself, didn't smoke, barely drank, and boom, and two weeks after they figured out she had cancer, they went in, major surgery, took her whole thyroid gland out, a bunch mm-hmm. of lymph nodes. And, and so every day for the rest of her life, she has to take a pill just to live. And she was the one that started to change first. She started reading books on God, the meaning of life. She started having, I'm gonna call it like a life review. Like, is this who I am? Is this who I wanna be? And that can happen when you confront death. And so she started to change. And I really wasn't uh, mature enough or experienced enough to support her through all that. Uh, And then in the middle of it all, um, I decided to start my own company. I left my very secure job, started my own company. And boy, the sales grew like crazy, but the losses grew even more so (laughs) in the blink of an eye. All of our money was gone. I was six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in debt, um, borrowed against the house, borrowed against, I had a quarter million in personal credit card debt, SBA loan from the bank. You know, I was just up to my neck in debt, and I couldn't see any way out. In the middle of it all, my wife just decides to leave. She wants to have a whole new life, and so suddenly I'm a single dad with custody of two kids, nine and eleven, every day facing bankruptcy. <laughs> so, and then to top it all off, I don't know where it came from, Ian. I had this unbelievable fear of death. Like I'd never thought about it before. I frankly kept religion and spirituality at arm's length for 30, me my entire adult life. So I didn't know who to talk to about it. I wouldn't have even been uh, brave enough to talk to anybody about it. And so I'm a grown man running around behind closed doors, terrified of death. All I was can figure is death would be the end of me, the end of my body, and that's it. It's over. And I couldn't wrap my mind around oblivion. Like, yeah. it just was terrifying to me. So in the blink of an eye, I went from kind of having a kick-ass life to feeling like a bad husband, a bad dad, bad businessman, and a grown man running around behind closed doors, terrified of death. Yeah. That was my personal rock bottom, and because I was like this high energy go 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 do do do, I tried to do what I always do was work my way out of it, and all I did was lose a bunch of weight, which I was a skinny guy already, ab uh, just worry and anxiety. So I, you know, it was skinny for me. I dropped down to 145 pounds, even though I was five foot eleven, and um, and so uh, it was clear that hard work wasn't going to get me out of the trouble I was in. And so um, even though I was devoutly anti-spiritual and anti-religious, I loved the author, Michael Crichton. And mm-hmm. Michael Crichton, a lot of people don't know this, wrote an autobiography called Travels that I just loved. And he also went through sort of a, his personal rock bottom and decided to go to his first ever spiritual retreat. And I loved reading about his stories, you know, the experiences there. And I must have read that story in a hundred times, which is crazy for somebody who thought they were anti-spiritual. And I felt so at rock bottom. I remember throwing the book down and running to my computer going, I wonder if this guy who led the retreat is even still alive because Michael Crichton saw him all the way back in 1982. Hmm. And uh, I looked it up. There he was alive and well on the internet. It looked like he was teaching the exact same retreat that Michael Crichton went to. I signed up for it right on the spot. And I just needed a lifeline. I needed something. I needed a different approach to life because the com- competition, the hard work, it wasn't working for me. And um, <clears throat> and everything in my life began to change at that point, even right down. I mean, I signed up at the last minute and I, I remember as the plane is touching down at the Ontario airport in Southern California because the retreat was high in the San Bernardino Mountains in the high desert there, as the plane was touching down, <laughs> The woman next to me is reading the book that the retreat reader oh, wow. has written. And the only two people on the entire 180 people on this plane going to the retreat were me and the woman I'm sitting next to. And and I'm looking at her like, you know, she's checking me out, too. Well, you look normal. Well, you look normal, too. OK, well, maybe this is going to be OK. Yeah, I was kind of scared, but you look OK. You know.
1: <laughs> I love and that synchronicity.
0: That was the beginning of what just for 20 years now has been a whole lot of uh, miracles, synchronicities, things that my, you know, have a really good math mind. I've been in business for a lot of years. I used to go to the horse races all the time. So I'm really good at gambling and probabilities and things like that over and over again, these things would happen that just would defy statistical probability. And that was the beginning of everything changing in my life. Wow.
1: What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men On Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men in the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men On Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are already now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you just understanding how to put you first we've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets look we're helping men with structure support and sustainability that's what you've asked for and that's what we deliver as we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster so make sure you go to menonpurpose.net Click the button to download our free, powerful purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset skills and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? Because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. Wow. There's a lot to unwrap there. A lot. What's, What's interesting is... How do you? I started to think about why do we have to go through such tumultuous, tumultuous, tumultuous? <laughs> know the word is. You know the word. <laughs> like rough shit like that. Yeah. And and I thought about that. Just like wow. I mean, this guy's just getting beaten, man. What the hell? And. And then there's also something that I think about at 40 about this awakening that yeah. I've experienced this year is I, I'll turn 40 and, and, and on December 19th is my birthday and, and I'll... Oh, that's my birthday too. No, come on,
0: man. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> I was born a few years before you, but yeah, <laughs> December 19, 1958.
1: Wow, okay. All right, so we, we got some synchronicity here too. Um, what I think about is... Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, actually, maybe a couple of months ago, like, "Will you, are you going to write a book? And I said, yeah, of course. And they said, well, what will it be called? And I said, I think, I think years ago, I would have written about finding your authentic self or getting to know yourself or getting out of your own way or like some kind of more, more of a base level thing than that. And I said, you know, in June of this year, my life took such a turn that my, my blinders came off. And I, and, and I'm not going to use the, like the buzzword bullshit awoke or whatever the hell people say, like I experienced an awakening at 39 and a half years old that I, I had never seen. I'd never experienced. And it wasn't any different. It was just more clear. Yeah. It was like the blinders came off and the lenses got clearer. And the same stuff that I was looking at was there still. And like, it was almost like looking at it from a a uh, big tube TV and seeing high definition for the first time. And you see a football game where we on a big tube TV, like they play on green with white and on a high def TV, you're like, Oh my God, there's blades of grass there. Wow. Oh my <laughs> This changes so much. And it, yeah. and it's that simple. Like, it's like, I know they're playing on grass, but you, you're not thinking about the blades of grass. You're just looking at other things. And when you see it in high def for the first time, you start to process, additional things in the same picture that you've never processed before that's how i experienced june of 2022 and this this awakening or this cl- clearing of my life did you ever i mean you you described that like this massive yep. thing that happened to you at 40. Like, would you explain it that way was it kind of like yeah
0: that? well first i want to tag on to you know somebody asking about you writing a book i that's the everything you described to me is both the excitement and the challenge of writing, writing books, writing blogs, writing essays is you grow and change. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you know, uh, you know, it'd be cool to be a rock star, but I think I would get tired of singing the same old songs all the time. And I think that's the challenge with any singer songwriters. People want to hear the old hits, but the singer songwriter says, but that's not where I'm at anymore. Yeah. And so uh, I kind of had to make peace with that. As soon as I think I've arrived, there's a whole new step. There's a whole new place, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I, that's where I'm at today after. So this whole rock bottom for me was about 20 years ago and uh, I climbing out of it, a lot of change, a lot of change. And every time I think I'm arrived, I haven't arrived. Yeah. Like the, the high def keeps coming. You know, do you think, Oh my God, I saw the blades of grass. This is great and then a period of time goes by and you see the molecules in the blades of grass. You know what I mean? It's kind of that way. And I wanted to say too, um, you know, when I went to that spiritual treat, what was that
1: uh, called by the way?
0: It was called um, the heart center, the foundational conference is what it was. So the teacher taught heart centered meditation over and over to his beginning students and his super advanced students, heart centered meditation. And uh, the heart center being the seat of wholeness, he called it. So really, the work is about wholeness. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, because I kind of lived that go, 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 do, 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 competitive masculine side, I was about to get a, a complete plunge into my feminine side. And here I was thinking I was going to a spiritual retreat. And I was, but really, it set the stage for a whole new chapter of my life, which was integrating all the parts of myself that I had, didn't know I had. I'd never used before. And it began with me um, not having a lot of spiritual experiences there. Those came later, but learning I'd never been truly vulnerable with other people. I'd never been intimate with other people. I didn't realize how much I kept people at a distance. And so that was what I got out of the retreat was, wow, I'd never felt truly close to other people before. And and then at the same time, I'm in a group therapy process. I just started in the blink of an eye. for the most part, I'm the only guy with two women therapists and 10 women. And I felt like an island. I felt like this man alone. And they're trying to teach me things. I have no idea what they're talking about. John, you're so good at doing try being what the hell is being. (laughs) And so uh, the last 20 years, in so many ways, uh, has been a path of integration through the heart center. And for me, what that felt like was um, embracing all things that most people would attribute it to The feminine
1: yeah i'm wondering what is actually arriving you know i I think i've been processing through that (laughs) a lot lately you know like what is arriving and i and i take our our coaching clients through that and and people will say like what can i expect at the end of the program and i'll say a beginning of a new phase for you and they go but what do i get and i say "A, a beginning of a new phase an ending of this chapter where you don't know yourself authentically you're all uh, this as a job or you have this much money and it defines you or you drive this car and it defines who you are and your status in life or i'm married to this person and have this many kids and my kids go to that school and it and that is the cultural click that you're in like you will actually have a new canvas where you can authentically paint the picture how you want to and not be influenced by the outside world they're you know, like Interesting. And I've been processing through that at at, at the, the, just the the stuff that I've been experiencing in my life. Like there is, there isn't an arrival. Yeah. There's just a closing of chapters. Every time you, you know, the, the, the high def gets tighter and tighter, you know, and you go from 480 to 720 to ten eighty to, you know, whatever the, whatever, 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 then to 4k. And you're like, wow, 4k is the ultimate. No, here comes 8k. (laughs) you know, like, and, uh, and then you go, okay, well, I, I think I've gotten it. And then, and then you're only at that place to where you now will work through to see an additional clearing. You know, it's like a dark woods to a clear field, dark woods to a clear field, dark woods to a clear field over and over and over again. And I think that sucks. And I think it's kind of sad yet at the same time that's the journey. That's the process of our lives. That's actually the fun part is, is is the is that process yet if you're only keeping it to yourself, and you're not sharing that journey with people, you're doing a massive disservice to both yourself and the world. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And that's definitely been. That's why I wrote my book. That's why I wrote the book the way I wrote it. It's 119 short stories that are true stories, mostly true stories. Uh, because that's how I learn best from other people. I like hearing other people's experiences. I want to hear their actual direct experience, uh, not just dogma or you know intellectual babble. I like, yeah. what, did, what did you do? What happened to you? And, uh, and so those are my favorite kind of stories. And that's why I wrote the book I way I did, exactly that way. It's yeah. just my way of giving back. My way of teaching is the way I always like to learn.
1: The way that you describe the doing, doing, doing most men are in that trajectory do, 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 yeah. to arrive at a certain place at a certain time in a certain car and a certain amount of money and a certain feeling (laughs) in this and, and guys like guys, like you tell this story of how it really is. And you go guys, you can't, you can't run like this or you're going to miss out on so much. Yeah. Question I have for you and all the doing that you were doing to try and arrive at some place that was figment, right? Completely imaginary. Have you gone back and looked at the marriage you had and the relationship and the type of father you had? Have you processed through that and and really realized like, fuck man, this is where I fell short because I was trying to produce and do to get somewhere. I forgot about where I actually was.
0: Yeah, I think, um, uh, I think I'm of the mindset, actually, Ian, that um, not everybody was meant to meet their soulmate at 18 and stay married for the next 50 or 60 years. Yeah. And so, um, you know, part of my journey has been learning through relationships. So I haven't really spent a lot of time beating myself up for what I did wrong. I literally didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, I, there's no doubt that if I had the tools I have now. It probably would have been a lot easier on my wife at the time. Uh, but I didn't have the tools then. Sure. I didn't have I didn't have any, uh, I didn't even want to talk about death or the meaning of life. I was yeah. too frightened at the time. Um, you know, part of the journey into what I call my feminine side, it sounds really funny, is learning to be a better listener. I have no doubt if I were a better listener then, and if I were able to really be with her as she went through that change. Uh, we might have stayed together, but I don't think it was meant to be. I, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question.
1: No, you are totally. But,
0: I, yeah, we're still really good friends today. So um yeah, it's like uh I totally honor her choice. She's honored mine, and and we've yeah. moved on and it feels it feels good. It feels cool.
1: I think the I think the Instagram story that we're all shown and told is a lot different than the actual reality for for the for the majority of men out there who are high level doers and successful you know entrepreneurial and and that is the reality except some of the reality is you just stay together and you and you inevitably have this very boring very mediocre life together because maybe each one of you doesn't have the courage to leave or maybe you have kids and you don't want to do something and and then and then you just deeper into the cycle of work 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 to try and get yeah. somewhere to try and get to the next level to try and get that next dopamine hit and it just doesn't work <laughs> you know the the interesting piece is, i think about it some of the i think the universe hit me at all at all angles like it sounds like it did for you where it was saying to you john wrong path stop <laughs> stop messing around it's yeah. this path and you're like no 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 universe I feel more comfortable over here with the money and the stuff being this guy doing versus surrendering, getting on this path that I know is where I'm supposed to be aligned because it doesn't come with all the fancy frilly stuff that makes me feel better. And I call that the difference between the human and the authentic, right? Being human, being natural and being authentic. And and I, I, I have so many men that I talk to that go through this experience where they're like, oh my God, at between 38 and 44 years old, I experienced this thing that, that took me 90 degrees into another path. And I've been, I've been dealing with this path for so long that they actually start to experience the death of that old self and old path they were on of like, how could I have been so blind? How could I have lied to myself for so long that that's where I am supposed to be when I knew that's not where I was supposed to be. And there's guys listening today that are thinking that like, I am not the person I am not in the position. I am not financially. I am not in the relationship. I am not all these things yet. They're in a cycle and they can't get off. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
0: It is crazy. I, you know, I I like to tell people all the time, I've changed, but my habits don't change. (laughs) (laughs) And so there is something about me internally being different, but getting out of the old habits that can be difficult sometimes. Uh, God, there's so much I want to comment about what you just said. Please, Um, Let's dig in. Yeah. So um, first of all, I want to say, if you're into astrology at all, there is something in astrology that they call a south node, a north node, and we come in with our south node is kind of our comfort zone. Our north node, which usually kicks in around age 40, is its polar opposite. So what you've experienced, what I've experienced, what so many people have experienced around middle age, it's a real thing. There mm-hmm. is a, you know, I've know—I've—I've lived this side of the pendulum. Now I need to learn to live the other side. It's an actual real thing. And, um, and yet... Uh, And the other thing I want to comment, kind of coming back to relationships. So my book is all about transformation. Everything in my last 20 years has been about transformation. I've done 10 years of men's work, which is all transformation. And the thing I observe is the transformation. It's not always easy, but it's always positive. It's always awesome. But it can be really disruptive to relationships. And because where you and I might be like, uh, you know, I want that transformation. Let's do it. Our spouse might be entirely invested in who they are today. They don't want anything to change. And, um, and so I, I tell people all the time, transformation's awesome, but be prepared. A lot in your life might change. Your work might change. Your relationships might change. I had a lot of employees that, you know, they would drink too much and smoke weed all the time. And they'd come and say, you know, I've been getting baked every day of my life since age 16. I'm going to quit. And yeah. they quit. And then life is great. And they're happy with the new self but they realized the life they created up to that point was about getting high all the time, all their friends, all their pastime, all their hobby. Now you're right. It's a whole new canvas. Like I got to create new hobbies. I have to live with new roommates. I have to, um, you know, completely different relationship with life. And that's super exciting to some people and super terrifying to others. I had a therapist tell me, she goes, John, um, you cannot believe how many times I have a client come to me and I point and I say, just cross that bridge. The grass really is greener on the other side over there and they won't do it. They'll stay in hell because fami- that's familiar. The yeah. familiar, even though it sucks, is, uh, feels safer to them than the blank canvas, which is really exciting to some people uh and the last Look, thing i'm kind of dig, jumping i want to dig around. into yeah, that so yeah, yeah. I, I just want
1: to i want to dig into that finish your thought i just i want to make that note i well, I, I think that's really important for people
0: yeah and i i want to emphasize i still do have that hyper masculine brain who wants everything to be beginning middle and see the goal <laughs> achieve the goal see the goal achieve the goal <laughs> and it was kind of sobering to realize that's the goal for today but tomorrow is going to be a new goal and you know, some people have described um, spiritual development, spiritual awakening, whatever you call it. Uh, some people use the term the ascension stairway, and you just keep moving up to a new step. Uh, some people use a circular model where you keep uh, you keep expanding. Your circle gets bigger and bigger. I actually prefer that model. But the step is a good way to look at it conceptually because on each step, you view life differently. I've been on this step, I've learned all the lessons from this step, things feel a little dull, boom, I jump up to the new step, blank canvas, new slate, holy crap, everything looks different now, yeah. and, and you're there, and I don't know what the period of time, it might. you might be there for a year, you might be there for your entire life on one step or two steps, it might change every decade, um, but yeah, that's that's been a difficult part for me to adjust to in the journey is the, uh, (laughs) there's there's no arriving, you know? And just purely from a material standpoint, like you talked about, you know, the perfect wife, the perfect kids, the perfect house, the most money, the best car. Okay, that's fun for a while, but now what? (laughs) And you start to realize like, oh crap. And you're right, you might keep chasing. Well, how about a different car? How about a different wife? How about a different life, you know? And that might work for a while. Um, But I found for me, it wasn't always grasping after new things out in the world, it was more like, I had to change. Yeah. And that's, I think, when people run out of trying to make themselves happy with things in the outside world, then it's time to kind of look inward and say, Okay, now, oh, one last thing. Sure. Sorry, you you said so many good things. I I, I, please, this is your, this is your, your... so I have a chapter in my book talk about, uh, you know, being reminded that it's time to be different. Uh, True story. And, um, and it was just like, um, so in the in this, this is a dream I had, but it was so vivid. I wrote a chapter in the book about it. Uh, So I used to love to fly fish. And it was like my passion. And I was fishing in a river here locally. I'm up in Washington State, called the Yakima River. And in the dream, I'm waist deep in the river. And it's September and the sun is setting. It's like a beautiful September evening. And I, and and there's all this beautiful peace, but I'm sitting there in the dream, just cranky because I'm thinking about fake news and stupid people on Facebook, you know, just the (laughs) news in general. And I'm just churning through negativity. And all of a sudden there's a tap on my shoulder and there's Jesus. And it's so funny because I was so anti-religious for so long, but holy cow, there's Jesus. And he just puts his hand out, takes my hand. And we start to walk upstream on the, literally on the water, (laughs) we're walking upstream and, He's like my ghost of Christmas past in the, you know, in a Christmas carol, you know, and he's, we're walking upstream. We're walking past farmers in the fields and waving to them. I see them, but they don't see us. And We walk all the way up to the headwaters of the river, which is up in the mountains. And the river here is violent and fast, and there's waterfalls and rapids. And, but up here I see uh, like cops and bad guys, there's graffiti, there's billboards are defaced. There's a lot of destruction and violence and Anyways, a lot of cops and robbers and violence. And he just, Jesus just has me look at the scene and he says, this is not your true north.
1: Hmm.
0: Mind you, remember how competitive I was when I was yes. young and I I knew it. I knew it even then, but it's like, I had to have the reminder and I just nod. And then we, <laughs> we walk all the way back downstream along the river on the water, waving at all the you know farmers again, I'm, I'm walking on the water and they don't see me, but I see them. And he deposits me right where I was fishing and he just disappears. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time letting go of that kind of hyper competitive. And I'd say it's mostly gone now, but, uh, yeah, I still like to, God, I played sports up until my 50s. I played on football teams and basketball teams, you know, wow. You know, and I, I still like to do that, but I think it's coming from a different place now. Not that sort of fighting competitive, got to win kind of thing. Yeah, and it served its time and it was time to let it go. And um so yeah, that's been a lot of my book is dreams that guide me, really profound dreams, get me back on tracks. So oh shit, I know. God, it's just such an old habit, though. You know? I, it
1: is, it yeah. is. Changing those habits yeah. is uh, is is crucially important. I I people will call me and say. Hey man, like I want to do your program. How do you know it's right? How, what kind of results do you get? What does this happen What that? I'm like, I, dude, listen, you can take any program anytime. If you do not absorb and start to change the stories and the internal formulas that you have been running, you will get the same result. It's not sustainable. Yeah. You get the same result. So changing those habits are, are, Crucial, like you said, absolutely yeah. crucial. and and what's interesting is up until you were fifty, you were running in this John has to prove himself to the world or he's you know whatever your whatever your thing was, nothing, yeah. loser, whatever. my yeah. my thing was if i don't if I'm not successful and don't have money to be able to go where I want or or escape when I want or 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 distract myself when I want. Who will I be? And what's my actual value to the world? Like, is there any value to my life here on this planet if I'm not at the top of my game, at the top of the food chain?
0: Yeah. And
1: like, I thought about that for, for a very long time. And, and obviously slowing down and surrendering to what is and, and then get and then having the universe help guide you to your purpose and plan. And then applying the power on that path is really what has, it sounds like set both of us up for this beautiful you know trajectory and going back to what you said earlier there's this part of you that like the way that I describe it it's like a canyon and you're standing on one side and uh, a lot of people look at it and go pretty damn good I'm enjoying (laughs) the view right this is the employee that says I know I should quit my job I know I could do better I know I could have a life that I actually enjoy I know I don't you know I know there's probably like um, like every morning that I could do something I want to do and not wake up with anxiety and, and you know, fear and, and anger. But you know what? I have benefits and <laughs> I do get two weeks paid vacation and, yeah. and I'm okay. Yeah. And on the side of that canyon, they set up a lawn chair and that's that camp over there, right? Yeah. You can't be in that environment habits, environment, those are two of the, of the MOP life factors that we, or or two pieces of the life formula that we have to focus on. And then there was those guys like you and I that look across and go, I know I'm capable of getting over there. I just don't know how to do it. And the hard part is we go from a successful career where we can crush it and solve problems to, I don't know how to get over there. That's, that's hurting me right now. And then this resistance happens and like the friction starts. And that's when relationship challenges and like the earth starts getting shaky in your world. Right. And, and it's like, there are some guys that will go for it. Some guys will ask for help. And then there are other guys like you described earlier that go, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I know, I know it's probably better over there. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And they start making up excuses and these belief patterns of, Uh, you know, I, I should be really thankful for what I have. Uh, My parents were college dropouts and I got this really great job and they start to justify their own mediocrity and their own failure to like progress forward, not in a do, do, do way in a, this is more in alignment with who I need to be and what I need to do for this earth while I'm here, not just go through motions, you know raise a family, earn a living, and then die. That's, that's not it. W- what is the difference between those guys? Because you
0: described the yeah. one. Well, so um, yeah, I'm not a big astrology guy, but I'm going to lean on the language of astrology again. So in astrology, there's 12 core zodiac signs, 12 core archetypes, and they're uh, split up into three groups. Uh, and I'm not even sure I'm going to get the names right. Uh, <laughs> God. Um, but the three groups, uh, I'll, they'll come to me in a minute. Uh, one is, um, uh, fixed is the word I'm looking for. They don't change, change. just isn't their thing. And I, I think in the bigger picture, these are the people that hold down traditions and do things the same way all the time. These are in my mind, the true meaning of the word conservative, which is don't change. This is how we do things around here. Yeah. And then at the other end of the spectrum is, uh, uh, and I'm going to get, I think it's the word cardinal. These are your movers and shakers that just always see, like I can get across the canyon and it would be so much freaking better if we could build a bridge across the canyon. You know, we wouldn't have to drive around it all the time. Yeah, You know, uh, these are, I think, the true meaning of progressives or liberals. uh, And they're, you know, I I, I get that it doesn't always play out that way, but it's it's core. These are the people that always see how it could be better. They want to change things. They want to make it better. And they're agents of change. And then the third group are in between where they can they can kind of sit on things for a while, be kind of you know and and they're agents of change as well too. and they're I think mutable is that word. so cardinal agents of change mutable can go both ways, uh, fixed, you can't get them off the rear. you can't get them out of the lawn chair. don't even try. <laughs> and I actually think that's how the world's constructed and yeah. um and I don't think. I guess maybe when I was younger, I probably had a lot of judgments about that guy sitting on the lawn chair with his two weeks. You know, he's not very happy, but he's not going to change. Right. Uh, But today I'm like, nah, I think, you know, if the world was all 100% agents of change, it'd be too chaotic. Agreed. And so the world's always, I think the universe is always looking for balance, not enough change. Here comes the chaos, too much chaos. Here comes the clamp down to, you know, Rigid control, and I, I think you even see it when people vote politically. You know, too much chaos, feel unsafe, they want some father figure in there that's gonna, you know, clamp down, make everybody, you know, behave, and then, you know, get too much rigid order. Boom, here comes the chaos. We want to shake things up again, yeah. So, that's my two cents on all that, yeah. It's, it's that's
1: so that's a great way of describing it. I don't think I've ever heard that like that three zodiac yeah. groups. That is true, and by the way, we're not talking about the guy who's at peace. In the lawn chair, just going. I like this. I'm okay with this. This is great. (laughs) This this is what I worked for is to get this view. Yeah. And who's aligned with that? And it's very authentic. Yeah. I think what we're talking about is that group of people that know it can be better. Better is relative to whatever they think is better. They know it's possible to get over there. They know they're capable of be of doing and being. You know whatever you want to call it higher level better whatever it might be and they become the people that go i've been through some shit, man i'm not willing to go through that again yeah I, i'm just going to sit here and i'm going to complain about it and <laughs> i'm going to blame other people about it yeah, and be and, a victim
0: too yeah. yeah
1: it's other people's fault yeah and then they get fat yeah. and it's mcdonald's fault for making them fat and they you know they have to pay taxes And it's the government's fault that they're broke. And, you know, instead of actually looking at the formula that they're running for their life that gets them the results that they're actually getting and saying, I'm in charge of this. This is on me. How can I start making some changes here? You don't have to go across the canyon. You just have to stop complaining that your life sucks and thinking that you're not an agent of change inside your own life.
0: Yeah. Newsflash, right? Yeah, I think... um kind of tagging onto that, like, I think the, the most fulfillment that people can find in their life is when they confront and embrace what they're most afraid of. And, um, and I'll, I'll give you two examples. One, you know, we were talking a little bit about death, too. And death was top of my list thing I was most afraid of. Um, but I'll tell you a little story uh, that I got from another book I really like, uh, Judith Orloff wrote a book called Second Sight. And she, like me, has a lot of really rich dreams that would kind of give her guidance. She was a practicing psychiatrist. Uh, She formed a business partnership with another guy. And she didn't like the, the things that he was doing, but she was too afraid to confront him. And so she was running around seething in rage and anger, but was too afraid to actually confront him about some of these things. Yeah. So she has this profound dream where she's running like mad because this giant fire is chasing her, you know, like this huge forest fire right on her rear. And this voice says, you know, if you face the fire, it won't hurt you. And so in the dream, she turns around and the fire just disappears into a little smoldering ash. And she knew what the dream was trying to tell her, go talk to your partner and she did. And she worked everything out. It was difficult, but she's so glad she did. And so I, I think that's where I want to go with people. You know, you're right. If that guy's sitting in the lawn chair and he's happy with his life and is at peace and the view is great, you know, great. But if what's holding you back is just fear, you will get so much out of life if you move forward anyway. Trust yourself, trust the universe. And my my real feeling is, um, Ian, if you feel that pull towards something but you're stopping because you're afraid life's going to drag you down to the muck anyway (laughs) it's going to make you change anyway yeah and so you might as well do it consciously if you know in your heart of hearts you got to do something you know in your gut that it's pulling but you're just afraid go do it Uh, i think that's a given then the shit's going to happen if you don't
1: (laughs) is it a given i mean obviously your experience my experience it is a it is a um uh, not a given it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's an absolute almost yeah. that if you know, you got to go through it, make some really tough, challenging, awkward, scary conversations or changes in your life or have those conversations or whatever it might be like that. If you don't do it, it is inevitable that the universe will drag you. We'll put yeah. something in your way. That is not a It's not a couple boulder, little like rocks that go across the road and you can swerve. It is a (laughs) 9,000 ton boulder that comes and nails your car off a cliff. And it's like, Hey, now get up out of this wreck, get up that cliff. And the person that you become, when you actually get to the top after experiencing all that shit, that's the guy that can now have authentic conversations that you need to have right now. You make a choice, have it. Or don't have it. Just understand that you're going to have it one day. (laughs) just one one is easier than the other um however i uh, obviously on the on the other side of some really major hits in my life i'm i'm very grateful for those hits because i i i don't i wouldn't be the guy i am today i wouldn't be the leader or the coach or anything like that so yes do they suck of course they suck and there's also a mindset change around them. Like, okay, I'm going to go through this and I cannot wiggle out of this. I'm going to get every morsel of learning and experience and knowledge and change and transformation out of this. So that I, on the other side, like kind of talked about the, I call it the parking garage of life. You kind of described it earlier. Like I always see it as this spiral where nobody is on like a different level. We're just a little farther along on that spiral, which, technically is elevation change, yet yeah. all I'm saying is, hey, bro, um, when, you, when, you roll, when you roll around the corner, like the third corner of uh, level three, watch out for that, and the second corner of level five, be real careful, just stop your car, just stand still for a second, there's going to be a buffalo that runs out, whatever it might be, you know, yeah. so it's just, it's just interesting how we, as a society are not programmed to trust ourselves or the universe. Forget about that. We're, we're trained to trust in the religious aspects of higher power, which is fine, just not ourselves. And that, in any religious stuff that I've done in my past, that always, I always like, wondered about that. I always pondered about that. Why, why, why is that not a thing? learning how to trust myself, believe in myself, understand myself, my feelings and emotions. You know, my dad and I were just talking, my parents are at my house about like, you know, putting my cat down last night and how, how hard that was on my heart. And I, and I was explaining my emotions and he was explaining his, and we were talking about death of our pets and how to process through that. And he was telling me an experience about when his cat, when he was like six years old was hit by a car and his mom was like, Hey, that's not coming home. I run over by a car. I'm like, Oh shit. And then thinking about what I did with my daughter last night, which was the vet said, look, he's pretty terminal. And I think we're going to lose him tonight. You, you, you may, you need to think about something different than when you came in here with, and I'm like, yeah. Holy shit, are you kidding me? And I said, we got to go get our, we got to go get our daughter. Right. Because this is her first experience with death. Yeah. And we, we, even if she doesn't wanna be a part of it, we need to give her that option. So we drove home and brought her with us and we had the conversation, which allowed her to express herself and learn how to trust herself within those emotions that are very uncomfortable and a little scary. And as her parents, we led her through that so that she can learn to trust. This came up for this reason, okay, I got that. And, And this came up, okay, And she also learned to trust us as a safe space to share, which I don't know about you. I did not have as a kid. My parents are sitting right out there like I didn't have that as a kid. And I wished I had that. Yeah. Oh, that is
0: all so beautiful, Ian. And uh, um, the the, the trust in the universe, the trust in yourself. If I were to say, what have you gotten after all the 20 years and all the crazy spiritual experience, everything, I would say, yeah. Trust. And some people call it faith. I'm not sure I like that word because that sounds like, you know, faith in the Bible, faith in dogma. It's more like trust, trust myself, trust in the universe. Even when something shitty happens, I have this feeling like, okay, I don't really like this, but I'm going to go through it. And I, and so I have a sense of trust I never had before. Second was, uh, I got to share a, a cat and parent story. So remember, I told you I was suddenly a, a single dad with custody of my two kids. You yeah. Know, and, um, 6 months after that happened uh, my we had three cats and my son's favorite cat was this black cat named Smokey that we that was actually a feral kitten that we kind of adopted and anyway I, it's a hot august evening and i'm tucking my kids in bed and i walk upstairs to my son's bedroom and i see Smokey the black cat stretched out on his pillow like he was laying there in the sun like you know soaking up some heat yeah and I go to pet him and he's completely stiff. Oh, no. He literally died on my son's pillow. And at that precise moment, my son comes walking in the bedroom. Oh. <laughs> and I don't know what to do because I've got a stiff cat. His favorite cat is laying on the pillow. And I'm kind of having that, oh, shit, I wasn't trained for this yeah. parenting school moment. Right. You know, And then my daughter walks in. You know, she's <laughs> nine. And it's like, oh, my God, Smokey died. And they're looking at me and I'm looking at the kids. It's like, oh, shit, I better figure this out. You know, What am I going to do? Well, and so I took the kids upstairs downstairs and we did a funeral for the cat. And we buried the cat outside and put a little headstone on it. And they put some little toys and decorated it. And we had some tears and told stories about Smokey. And, uh, but that <laughs> was one of those oh shit parenting moments, yeah. you know? But it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. It was a really beautiful thing. Like I'm so glad I went through that.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about that today because my wife was like, how do we do this and i said i don't i don't there's no manual i don't know yeah Yeah. (laughs) i said meredith you got to understand this is our first time with death in the in like the first like first position where it's usually like a childhood pet or you know the death of a friend or the death of not somebody in our immediate household right he was actually the third member of our family before our children and, and he was our kid before our kids came along yeah. and our kids have never known life without this cat. And I said, we're, we're going through stuff that we've never been through at this time. And we have to do our absolute best to guide our daughter through this. My son's a little too young, two and a half. Yeah. And, and I said to her, like, we're, like the doctor, the doctor said, you kind of have two choices. You can take him home and he will probably not make it through the night or you can let him go now. And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) And I'm like, so upset, man. My heart hurts so bad. How do I play God in this moment? Yeah. And then how do I, how do I tell my seven-year-old that we're giving her this option to share and to talk and to communicate and, and and even like we were on our way back down to the vet and i said hey are you are you okay with mom and i sharing our emotions the way however we do and she was yeah. like yeah i said i'm telling you right now i'm gonna cry my eyes out because yeah. what he means to me i mean he, he spent every day in this office with me and and my wife's like i'm gonna i'm gonna cry too and i might shake a little bit and it might be really hard for us to say goodbye to him little did I know when we, I'm saying to my wife, how do we do this? Where we say, let's go say goodbye. And then she's like, but then he stays here. And, and, and I'm like, well, no, then we kill him. Like, how do we do that? I don't, I, it was (laughs) fucked up in my own mind. I, I kept thinking, but what really, what it brought up was the, the, the absolute finite part of life yeah, and how in a fucking moment, in a moment. It's over. That period, that season, that part is over. And you got to deal with the regrets or the thoughts or the whatever you didn't do or who you were not for that season, whether it's a day, a week, 10 years, whatever it might be. And I think that was that was weighing in on us, which was in death. It's not just the loss of the person or the being, right? Cuz I consider the cat a being. He wasn't just a, yeah. a thing, he was a being for us. It was the ending of the season of our lives. And the next awakening, right? The next level HD which says we are now more aware of our lives than ever. Yeah. And 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 what changes, shifts, transformations choices do we need to make in this next season to make sure that we don't live like this past season because that cat's death last night was the end the hourglass's time ran out not only on his life on that season of our lives as a family and i'm like wow so it's not just his death that we're grieving it's the ending of that season which is really tough and i think about like wow who was I when we got him? Who am I today? D- did he receive all of that? What changes now? How do I make sure that in another nine year cycle that I'm not regretting anything from my life and, and, and that's, that's hard as shit to process. And also, you're thinking about your own death and your own mortality. And I, and I think the most, and I want to get your thoughts on this, like the yeah. deepest thing that I'm processing is watching his life go. Like it took a minute, one minute, man. And, and I like, it hurts my heart to talk about it. Like
0: yeah.
1: it just, there, there he is looking at us and a minute later, he's now left this planet and it's like, uh, wow, yeah. that, that is not just a cat's life. That's any of our lives, which brings up this point of, are we clear on why we're here and are we clear? on who we really are because if not you're going to face a moment of an ending of a season or a death or your own mortality or you're going to look back and go i certainly hope i get another shot because or a do over because i yeah. i did not do this right i did not make the choices i knew i had to make <laughs> kind of going back to your earlier point yeah. because i was afraid or it was awkward or uncomfortable that's what i've been processing since last night
0: oh man that's a lot yeah um, you know, um, that same spiritual retreat I went to, three years later, that same teacher formed a year-round study group, and I joined it. And uh, we were there, you know, we met in Tucson four times a year, at a retreat center, did a lot of stuff online, and it was great. But I remember the month of November, he said, uh, this is the month of November, and we're all going to greet the mystery of death. And he goes, if you don't have a will, make a will. If you If you need to make amends to other people, make amends. There's two things I want to say that first part that sort of preparing for your death. I, it has been with me ever since. And I try not to leave any uh, anything hanging, you know, uh, if I had an argument with my parents, I'm going to go make amends with them because they're 91 and 85 right now. Yeah. They, they, like you said, like the cat, it could just be gone. You know, I try to make sure nothing's hanging with me and my kids. So my kids are both 30 and 32 right now. And, um, and so, there's this sense that I don't want to die or I don't want them to got, die and have some kind of regret. Wow. Ah, I wish I would have had that conversation. I wish I would have been honest with them. I wish I would have told them about this. I wish I would have said, I'm sorry. You know, I wish I would have tried to heal that thing. Uh, super powerful. And the second thing he said was, now I want you to meditate on death, read books on death, pray on death, uh, listen to music on death, embrace the mystery of death. And Ian and I had all these really profound dreams about death and I didn't know where they came from. I didn't know it was even possible to receive information that way, but it became crystal clear that we really are a soul. We really are non-physical. We really are in this human being body, having human experience. And I don't know if it would help you any, there's some wonderful books out there about how animals are constructed you know, at a soul level. And so a cat doesn't die. But the body dies. The human being doesn't die, but the body dies. And you know, I again remember a few years earlier, I was terrified of death because all I could associate between life and death was just me, this body. Right. And if the body goes, then I'm gone. (laughs) And um, and so um, you know, it's a it's a difficult thing. I don't. I think it's something that you have to. Each individual has to do on their own in their own way. Yeah. But I'll never forget it. He kept saying, embrace the mystery of death. And so ever since then, I try to tell people, embrace your fears, move towards them. Not throwing anything too stupid, like you know, hang off the edge of a cliff right. or something like that. Yeah. But you know, I think most people know there's some kind of mental emotional fear that they're trip that's tripping them up all the time.
1: Sure.
0: And sure. it's like, okay, I'm done being afraid of death. Excuse my French, fuck it. I'm gonna. I'm going to brace it. I'm going to meditate on it. Teach me about death. I can read books. It turns out there's people that have been in hospice for 50 years that wrote some amazing books on death, you know? And um, so, yeah, that's what I counsel everybody. You know, if if you're in the grip of something and you just can't shake it, move towards it. Don't run away from it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is it about? The same thing,
0: Ian. I think we're we're human too. You got to grieve when you got to grieve. You don't want to bury the grief let them out. I think it's so cool what you're teaching your kids. I think it's freaking amazing. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I, I, I agree. Because that's and how you
0: move through. You grieve sure. and then you move on. You know, if you don't grieve, it creates all sorts of problems down the road.
1: Look, at the end of the day, what you're saying about moving, look, as a coach, you have to do the work that you tell people to do. Yeah. And, I, and I'm talking to my dad, my dad's sitting at this desk back here, you know, 10 minutes before I'm jumping on with you. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this, dad. He's like, <laughs> well, that's your choice. And I said, yeah. and then I just looked at your one sheet again, and I saw the fear of death thing. And I thought, universally, this is aligned. Yeah. And really, what was coming up for me was I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally unstable right now in yeah. the traditional sense. Can I keep it together enough? Talking about this subject so that it, this isn't like me just crying on, on freaking camera. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I thought this is something I have to do not to tough it out, not to be, you know, distracted, not to go avoid dealing with it. This is something I have to do to face it. And so I appreciated this. Now, I want to ask you something like we spend our whole lives avoiding death you think about it, the death of the death of us, the death of things, the ending of things, the ending of relationships, the death of, and then, and then, and then eventually one day we spend, let's say 80 years on average, building this habit of avoiding death, preserving the body, preserving life. And then one day we are facing death. And that to me is, is weird that you spend this whole time avoiding. And then all of a sudden you're just supposed to change the habit and be at peace with and just go. And, and that's the, that's another thing that I was dealing with last night. Like we've spent so much time keeping this cat alive and feeding him and taking him to the vet and making sure he had this incredible quality of life at our homes. And I did a road trip across from Maryland to California with him last summer. It was incredible. And, Now we have to make a decision. The the last decision we make for him basically is to take his life. Like, yeah, that is, that is really fucking crazy. When we built a habit for nine years of making sure he has the best life possible. And I think about that in the human sense too, where we have this fear of death and maybe it's ego driven. Like I want your, I want your opinion on this as we wrap what is that fear of death that people are facing? Is it the ego? Is it the death of the ego? Is it the death of the body? Is it the, like, what is that?
0: Um, oh, That's a huge subject, Ian. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> well, so um, yes, I would say it's yes to all of that. Yeah. So some people have said on the spiritual journey, we start out, I literally, as a kid, I, you know, if you said to, you know, your little kid, who are you? They would point to their body. This is me. And so, and then later as we develop a mind conceptually, a lot of thoughts, we start to identify with thoughts about ourselves. I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm a competitive guy, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a chill person. So there's all these descriptions. And so I think we have both a body and we have an ego that has created our identity. And yes, that is what we're trying to hang on to. But in the spiritual journey, and it's not true for everybody, um, the next, you know, so it would be in the progression, it would be I am the body, then it's I am the mind, then it's I am the soul. Yeah. And then even beyond that, at some level, we're all God, you know, on some level. And so, um, and my understanding is human beings go through many, many, many lifetimes, and we all start, <laughs> just like this podcast, we all start at rock bottom. Yeah, we all descend to ultimate ignorance and ultimate density. And then through many lifetimes, we start to remember, we start to wake up. So waking up, I think, is really more like remembering, like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I've actually had lifetimes before. Oh, yeah, I've done this before. Yeah. So again, my understanding is what you would call an old soul because in all traditions, people have observed old souls are born, they're not made, yeah. you can see a kid who's five or 10 years old, and they've just got this wisdom that's beyond their years. How did they glean it through many, many, many lifetimes, they're just older as a soul than yeah. other people are. And so as the soul progresses through, you know, this ignorance and density into more and more uh, awakening, I guess. Um, the fear of death becomes lighter and lighter. It's not a big deal. It doesn't mean you might not still have very human connections with your spouse and your cat or your dog or your parents or your kids. Um, But I think that that specter of death, it just feels lighter. And that's been my experience. And I spent a lot of time meditating on death, praying, like guide me, tell me everything. Got, you know, led to a lot of books and uh you know, I might have other things still trip me up in, but death is not one anymore. Hmm. What some of my favorite stories are somebody that's dying, let's say of cancer, and they're in bed, and the doctors made it clear like, dude, you got a week at best, you know, hmm. even miracle situation, it's gonna be a week at best. And it doesn't happen to everybody, but for some people, this tremendous peace comes over them because they're in complete acceptance. And it's almost like you just wanna be in their field or their aura because of that tremendous acceptance. And very few people at any stage of your life are in that pure, open-hearted acceptance. And I, I used to always fantasize, it's like, why can't we be in that state now instead of a day or a week before we die? We're in that beautiful, peaceful, serene acceptance. Like, yep, death is right around the corner. And and suddenly everybody's honest with each other. Everybody's sharing things that they, you know, you know, people tend to wear masks all the time. And even within families, they wear masks. And and suddenly, you know, the person who's at peace with death, suddenly these beautiful conversations that should have happened decades before, suddenly, but it doesn't always that's that's the perfect death. They don't know it doesn't always happen that way. Right. There's car crashes, there's painful deaths, there's people who fight dying. You know, I have a good friend of mine that, well, he was to be a salesman in my company. He was a big, brawling Irishman kind of guy, six foot four, 220, you know, bouncer in a lot of places. And his mom was like this 90 pound little dynamo. And she kept, she had cancer and she'd be in the hospital. And every time it looked like she was going to go, he'd whisper in her ear, like, It's okay, mom. If you want to go, you can go. Fuck you! I ain't going yet. (laughs) Fuck this cancer! Get me out of this damn hospital! You know, yeah. (laughs) She wasn't going to go down without a fight. You know, yeah. (laughs) And I think it happened three different times. She's in the hospital. This has got to be it. Fuck! Now I am not dying. You know. (laughs) Wow. So, but yeah, that's my my, that's my ideal death experience. And I've often thought, how can I be that person now, instead of at the very last minute? Yeah.
1: Well, look, this, this, this has been, um, super therapeutic for me.
0: Um, I know, yeah. I know the
1: audience got something out of this. This is, this was, uh, this was exactly what I needed to be able to talk about. Cause even my wife and I went for a walk this morning and she's like, I think we need to talk to somebody to process this. And I said, okay. yeah, I, I agree. And, um, so thank you, man. This is, this is, this is exactly what I needed this morning to, to just, Walk through some things and add value at the same time to others' lives. Like that is that is just beautiful um, blending of of selfless and selfish. You know, yeah, yeah. it really is. So, um, thank you, universe, for delivering this the time it needed to be. I mean, I think if I, I it, it, there isn't another person on this screen with me because it's not designed that way. So, I really appreciate this conversation from from me and my life at this moment. And I know the audience will appreciate so much wisdom in, in the hour that we've spent together. So thanks for, thanks for sharing and being here and the work that you're doing too, on yourself and the shit you've been through (laughs) going through all that, you know, and, and, and emerging on this side of the chapter, not arriving of the chapter, um, to, to be able to talk about that wisdom. So,
0: yeah. I'm really grateful for the invitation, Ian. I love the work you're doing too. And yeah. I love you coming on, just being honest about what's going yeah. on in your life with your cat. That's freaking amazing. I wish everybody in the world could be that way.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. I, I, I mean, look, it's, it, it makes me, it gives me some more um, clarity and some additional answers. And I don't, you know, this is a grieving process. I don't think it also, I, I'm also very grateful because it got me additional compassion. That maybe I've been missing, especially towards others that lose people or lose animals or pets, something like that. And my wife and I saw our partnership as parents and partners in life together, like together in that moment where we had to make a decision, like we were fully aligned and there was no bullshit outside of money or this or that it was, we were present and we made a decision together and like, we were just, we were so aligned and it was beautiful. And, and, uh, so yeah, I I mean, look, I, I got, I still have some, some stuff to go through and I think I'm going to go for a walk and have a nice cry after this.
0: Ah, good for you. Well, you know, I, I actually, since I'm a bit older than you, um, I gotta say the one plus side about going through shit is, uh, there is compassion. I have a lot more compassion for people in all circumstances of life and compassion is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. So, you know, the nice thing about going through it is you can really be there when somebody else is going through it too. Completely, completely agree. Uh, Real quick, before we wrap, where can people find you? Uh, My website is John David L A T T A is my last name. John David book is the synchronicity of love stories that heal, transform and awaken. Um, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. And I just found out today, you can find it on target and walmart.com too.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm tapped. I'm emotionally okay. <laughs> tapped. <laughs> I hear you, brother. <laughs> yeah, audience, uh, I appreciate you listening. Appreciate your thoughts and prayers and, and support. And um, yeah, I need to go process some things. So John, thank you for being here. Audience, uh, we'll catch you on the next one.